0: On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc and the Block. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Doc and the Block podcast. Normally, I would be sitting next to the greatest music producer of all time, Big Block Spencer, but he is down in Dustin with his son Malik and they're training with his trainer because Malik is a big time top top level football player at Michigan State. And so, uh, you know, we wish them all the luck in the world this week. And I talked to Block this morning and he sends his love to all the fans out there. We have an amazing guest today, a true big timer. I can't wait to get into this conversation Todd Price is a literal big-timer, and he, I, the thing I love about Todd's story is uh, very similar to blocks. Uh, he was uh, in darkness and uh, turned his life around and has gone all the way to the light, and uh, it's a testament to how none of us is stuck in our current situation. There's always redemption if we employ the right values, and we always like to talk about it on this show, honesty, integrity, accountability, being a good teammate. Always, always be virtuous and good things will come your way. Todd, welcome to the show.
1: Appreciate it, brother. Thank you for having me.
0: I love having Todd on our show. He's been a patient with us, but um, we're going to start off. Todd uh, is a motivational speaker. He's a world-class bodybuilder. He's Fortune 500 guy. I mean, he's really done it all and he has a lot of great perspective. Um, Todd, why don't you just start off uh, and tell us your story. Let everybody know who you are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, my name is Todd Price. I'm actually from this area. I was born and raised in uh, Lawrenceville, Littleburn area. I went to school um, over at uh, Parkview, graduated from Parkview. Um, Growing up, I had, uh, you know, really, really good upbringing. My dad um, worked super hard to to make sure that we had everything that we need. I was never spoiled. I was never um, given the world, obviously, but... uh, I had the best parents that you could absolutely ask for. And, um, my dad had a rough past too. He spent, um, a good while in prison and, uh, had straightened his life out. And, um, so wanted to make sure that I didn't obviously hit some of those same, same obstacles. And then, uh, which I didn't while I was under their roof. And then, um, as I, uh, got out on my own and started making new acquaintances and, and things of that nature, I kind of, went down some some paths that were not really ideal. So um, I got into the gym industry right out of high school. I didn't go to college. Um, got into the gym industry. It was something that I, I loved, that I was passionate about. And, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, a lot of people that are in the gym industry aren't really healthy. It's, uh, it's a party scene. It's um, Coke and drinking and it, all the time. Um, so 17 years old, I, I got in with some guys that, that were older than me. I always hung out with guys that were older than me and, um, got started drinking. And, um, obviously part of that had to do with girls and, and being around them and drinking and doing whatever. And, uh, it just led me down a really, really dark path and, um, took me a long, long time to to recover from. So
0: Tell us a little bit about the recovery, like what got you to change your life? What was rock bottom for you? Yeah.
1: So, um, you know, so I used to own a men's recovery center too, and, um, seeing rock bottom for different people is, is so crazy because it's, it's so different for every single person. And, um, so for me, I was, uh, drinking every day and to the point to where, Uh, I was just blacked out. There was no, and my tolerance was so high that you couldn't tell that I was, I was blacked out, but I had to do it every day. When I woke up in the morning, um, I, uh, I would have beers or something right beside my bed to where I could immediately start drinking again, just to, to help with my anxiety and just to start feeling good again. Um, so I kind of feel like I was self medicating, so to speak. Um, but You know, I was, uh, in and out of jail, locked up, getting in fights constantly, always getting hurt. Um, the, uh, the final, I had nothing either. You know, I had no license. I had no car. I was homeless. I was, um, on my own accord just because, you know, I disappointed my parents so much. I was just out doing my own thing. Um, I was living in uh, extended stays with strippers. I was stealing hot dogs from QT to eat. I was uh, just whatever I could do to get, to get by. And um, I remember that I would go to strip clubs with no money and all the would hit on all the girls there and have them go do a lap dance and get them to buy them a drink. But the drink was really for me, and that's how I would drink free all night long. So I had little schemes and scams to where I could constantly stay stay drunk and um which alcohol obviously was my, my drug of choice. Um so the last year um that I was an addict, I had uh a good bit of things happen to me. I was uh robbed at gunpoint, I um was drugged, car stolen, woke up randomly at extended stay over behind uh, the QT right there off of uh, Jimmy Carter, which is not not the best area, um, had uh, uh, got jumped by nine guys, beat with a wrench, had my jaw broken four times, wired shut for four or five months, had my head cracked open, um, staples put all put in my head, and um, so I had all these bad experiences. But what was so crazy was. None of it, even though it was life threatening to me and I had all these bad things happen to me, none of it affected me. None of it made me worry, you know? And I remember specifically, and it hits me hard now as a, as a parent, but I remember specifically being outside of a Hooters drinking and my mom calling me crying and me telling her mom, I'm I'm fine. Like, I'm okay. You know? And, um, but now as a parent, I look back and I'm like, man, like I was breaking her heart. Yeah, Yeah. You know? And, um, so I do everything I can for my parents now to, you know, to make sure that they have anything that I need. But, uh, believe it or not, the, the rock bottom for me that really, and it wasn't anything that, like dangerous for me was I got into uh hit and run. Um, so I was right in front of, uh, Gwinnett tech. Um, and, uh, I had, I was drinking and driving. Um, it was, uh, Halloween. Um, so this upcoming, November 1st will be 13, 13 years sober. Um, but, uh, Good for
0: you, man. Congratulations.
1: So I'd gotten to a hit and run and it wasn't, it wasn't a major accident, but it was just a little fender bender to where I didn't stop in time. and I hit this car and, um, got out. And I remember it was a minivan and I remember them coming around husband and wife and, um, looking at the damage and it was very minute damage. It was just a little scratch. And, uh, but I was so intoxicated. I remember asking them like how much money right now I had, you know, maybe twelve, thirteen hundred $1,300, no bank accounts, no nothing. I had whatever I had on me from selling drugs or doing whatever yeah. was in my pocket. And, uh, I said, how much right now to keep from going to jail? Like how much to cover your deductible to do it? How much money? And, uh, they looked at it and said, $2,000. And I said, hang on one second. And I walked back to the car and I took off and, Um, I remember waking up the next morning and, uh, called my mom, my mom came and picked me up and, uh, I just poured my heart out to her. I remember breaking down crying. And I think when I, when I sobered up the next morning, what had really hit me was the fact that I don't know what it was, but it was the fact that it was a minivan, I think, and thinking that there's probably kids in there. And what happens if one of the kids had jumped out when I took off? What happens if I had hit them harder and a kid was hurt? and that that just killed me and um so it was kind of like a what if moment and i remember breaking down crying to my mom and i said i'll never i'll never drink again if i can come back home i'll never have a sip of alcohol again and um of course they let me come back home i remember waiting uh, for like a week for the cops to come get me they never showed up uh thank god um but uh from there i haven't had a sip of alcohol since
0: That's strange. It's not, it wasn't the, uh, wrenches to the jaw and wiring shut that shook you up. It was, it was this,
1: uh, I had no regard. I mean, I didn't want to die, but I had no, no regard for my own life, my own safety, my own health, you know? Um, and, uh, but for other people that just really, that really hit me hard.
0: So, you know, when, when, uh, when you look at a lot of kids, you know, they have things uh, that they're insecure about. You know, I always talk about, I felt like the dumbest guy in the world. I had a severe reading disability and I just, everywhere I went, I just felt like people were, you know, seeing the dumb guy. And so <clears throat> I had a lot of anxiety about that. And uh, you know, I'm sitting next to you and, you know, you're a good looking guy and you're a big buff guy and obviously fit, you know, what was it that, that was your insecurity? what it, What is it that you think that kind of set you up for failure? Um,
1: you know, I think you hit the, the, the nail on the head. Um, you know, I had all grown up, um, and I think – I was kind of picked on. I, I wasn't ever the cool kid in school. I knew everybody, but I wasn't the cool kid. I wasn't getting the girls. I was just, I, I went to school. I went to my classes and I went home. I didn't want to do, didn't go to no parties, didn't do nothing. Um, and uh, so because I was a kind of like a nobody and I really wanted to belong, I really wanted to fit in somewhere when I started drinking, I think, one, it kind of gave me an a, escape. Um, but two, you know, I would tell all sorts of lies. I would, wherever I was at, like, I would say whatever I had to say to fit in, to be cool, to, to look a certain way to this group of people, to seem tougher, to seem cooler to this chick, whatever it might have been. Um, so I was just never truthful with, with anybody in regards to you know, what I had been through or, or who I really was as a person. And, um, and obviously, you know, when you're not true, it's not going to last and, you know, and so I think a lot of it was me trying to put on this persona to be cool to, or what I thought was cool. And, um, you know, and part of why I would always get in fights, I wanted to be the tough guy and, um, you know, it just it, it, it It was in no way, shape, or form the way I should have went about life. But you know, I I think just because I never fit in, I wanted to do whatever I could to fit in. Um, And for me, my thought was, "All right, well, I got to lie to fit in, and or try to say this to fit in. It looks be somebody that you're really be somebody that I'm not, man.
0: So it's funny you say in the moment, you know, at the time, like your mother called you and asked how you're doing, and you're like, "I'm fine." So you're not recognizing how empty your life is. And now you look at your life and how fulfilling it is when you reflect on what your life was back then, you see that emptiness, you kind of comment. Oh on that. man,
1: a hundred percent. Yeah. It was, I mean, all the way to the point, I remember being in extended stays and there was a church that would come on Sundays and set up like a buffet food outside of, of the extended stay. And, um, But it was crazy. I had nothing. Like I literally had nothing. I had, I had no, not only did I not have anything, anything physically as far as, um, you know, money, a car, how anything like apartment, place to live, anything, food even, but I had no, at that point, I didn't even have any like dreams or desires. Everything seemed so out of out of touch. Everything seemed so out of reach. All it was was
0: no purpose, no, no meaningful purpose, relationships. no passion. Yeah,
1: exactly. All it was was um, I'm hanging out with this guy tonight, this girl tonight. We're getting drunk somewhere. Yeah, you know.
0: So, what was the thing that that uh, turned you? What tool did you use to say, "I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to change my life"? How How did that happen?
1: So. Um, I had, like I said, I had been in the gym industry, which kind of set me down, set me down the wrong path. But, um, once I said, I'm never drinking again. And there, there were some times during that when I, when I was drinking that I was still, still working and, um, wasn't making a lot of money, but whatever I made was going towards alcohol or whatever on the weekends. Um, so, uh, once I made that shift, I went back to the gym industry because it's what I knew. Um, I went to uh,
0: you did all this on your own just sheer will, no just sheer will, no, help. I quit. no. cold That's a, turkey, rare, that's a is, rare quality. There's not a lot of people out there that can do that without without help, you yeah. Know?
1: And especially, I mean, it's it, you know, with alcohol, it's it's dangerous too. Um, it's one of the few things cold that turkey, you can, yeah, that's right. A,
0: you got to withdraw yeah. it properly.
1: Um, and uh, but I remember being extremely sick when I, when I, when I came off. And, um, but like I said, I just quit cold Turkey. I went back into the gym industry. Um, luckily the gym industry and sales was something that I was extremely good at. Um, even when I was an alcoholic, I was good at it. Um, but I went back into the gym industry. I worked my way back up through the ranks, um, became a regional manager, um, started getting, um, moved from gym to gym to kind of bring up gyms. And then I got started getting recruited from different chains of gyms, um, to be a regional manager and bring, bring those gyms up. So I got recruited to a, uh, smaller chain called just fitness. Um, they had, uh, seven locations here in, um, in Georgia. They had, um, they owned an omni, um, over in Alabama and Mobile, Alabama. And then they had, uh, I think, seven or eight locations in South Carolina. So um, I was the regional manager of all those. And like I said, it was a smaller chain. So I got to work right under the, the owner. Um, and the owner, uh, his name was Hoyt. Um, and uh, he would fly in every other week He'd come in on a, on a Monday, leave on a Thursday, he lives in Utah. And, um, but he was very, very smart with business. Um, and he always, uh,
0: so this was your mentor that kind of showed essentially you the
1: ropes. You know? My first, my first mentor, you know, I had a couple of people, obviously that, um, when I had first gotten into the gym industry that helped me with the sales and things like that, but that was just sales. He was he wasn't a gym guy either. He was a biz, he was a businessman. So uh, one of his one of his companies was actually uh, the CRM system or the software that a lot of gyms use nationwide. So that's where he made a lot of money, and then he owned a lot of other companies as well. Um, but he owned these gyms just to have something else to do.
0: Did you have any other support mechanisms like Alcohol's Anonymous or anything like that? Or are you just on your own? Just on my own, and just making that decision. How about faith? Did you? Are you? you know, I didn't even. Are you, a you know, religious person or?
1: I, I'm. I believe in a higher power. I, you know, I don't. I don't go to church. I don't. But I do believe in a higher power. I don't know what it is exactly, but I do believe that I couldn't. I'm not as blessed as I as I am now on my own accord. You right. Know, so, Absolutely. Some, some some there's something out there he, she, it, whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, it helped me, you know?
0: And what, what do you tell kids now? Like you got a middle school kid right now that's sort of in your shoes. What advice would you give them to, to not make these errors?
1: You know, the biggest thing is, uh, be, be true to yourself. A couple of different things. One, be true to yourself. You know, like I said, that I lied so much and Hoyt was, Hoyt was really the first person that, He had seen all this stuff in me and, and realized that I was capable of so much more and he was kind of the first person that believed in me. So, you know, be yourself. People are going to believe in you. And if somebody doesn't believe in you, get away from that crowd of people. Don't, even though you think somebody's your friend, if they're not believing in you and are supporting your dreams or doing the, at the end of the day, dreams or not, if they're not doing the right thing or they're negative all the time, Get away from those people. I don't even I don't even want to follow people on social media that are negative. Just because one, it it just interrupts my day and I don't want to associate with it. But two, then other people see, you know, Todd Price follows this guy and this guy's negative all the time, then I'm associated with that. I don't want to be anywhere around that.
0: That's one of the big things we talk about at our Big Timers Foundation, is that you need to surround yourself with the right kind of people, you know, people that are positive, people that are successful, people that also are virtuous that, mm-hmm. you know, listen, we're all sinners. We all fall short every day is a battle, but, you know, striving every day, honesty, integrity, accountability. These are the things that that give you success in life. And I know like when I had my children, you know, that was a big thing for me. It was like, I would look in the mirror and I just say to myself, like, "You, that's not going to cut it. Like that person, that's not, that's not Correct. the person my kids need. And I started thinking about all the issues when I had, with, when I was a kid, my insecurities and all that kind of stuff. And I, I didn't want my kids to, to have, um, a parent that wasn't able to provide for them in, in, in the emotional ways. You know, I had, my father was great. My mom was, you know, had bipolar disorder. There's a lot of pain for me there. And, uh, you know, I look at my wife now and my, my two girls, they have like the best mother in the world. And then they have me, I'm at least trying trying to be the best. And I, I think children make a big difference in our lives, you know, and for block, he'll talk about the thing that really got him to change his ways was he just didn't want his kids to have to experience the the same things that he did. How, how does, how do your kids play in that? So, you
1: know, once, man, once you have kids, it's a, it's a whole nother ball game. And, um, so, with my company, you know, a lot of, a lot of what we do is, uh, give back to the community. We give back to kids. We give back, um, even to the, to the guys on our team. We, 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 we focus on a lot of second chances. Um, you know, because. I wouldn't be here without a second chance, but I also want to allow other people to, to have those second chances as well. Now, obviously, there's been times where that's, uh, I'm too nice of a per- person and it's, it's bit me. Been in the there half. too.
0: And I don't regret it, but I've learned from it. 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. You know, and, and I know that I didn't do nothing wrong. I gave them the opportunity and they chose to blow it. But majority of the time, uh, the guys that, you know, have that second chance, they don't want to go back to that world. And, th- like I said, they're some of the, the, the hardest working, most loyal people that I've ever met in my life. And, um, and I think a lot of it's from the discipline that they've learned and had to overcome. Yeah. Because of, um, of, of things that they've endured, you know, they understand that like every day is a struggle. I'm going to have to face some hard shit every single day. And,
0: you know, this is a huge thing we talk about right now. You know, my oldest daughter right now, she's got finals coming up. She's been releasing an album with, with block and blocks. Like, Hey, you got to get in the studio, you got to perform, you got to do this and that. And it's just like, I'm having anxiety. And I'm telling her anxiety is a normal human emotion. We've kind of turned it into this, you know, people feel like, Oh my God, I have anxiety. I have a disease. It's like, no, man, we all are anxious. You got to learn to deal with that emotion. And I think one of the things, negatively impacts kids today is social media. There's a lot of pressure on social media because you're seeing basically what I know as a mature adult is basically fake. You know what I mean? Anybody I see their social media site and I know that person, I know that what you're seeing is not reality. And I think a lot of kids get in there and they think that the way people look and the lives that they appear to have is like, oh, I don't have that. I must be failing. What do you think about that?
1: So you know, one of my business partners, he get he gets really hot with the with the subject. Uh, his name's Ray, but um, you know, he'll post on social media all the time. Don't forget, there's people that really know you, mm-hmm. and make sure that your good real life <laughs> yeah. matches your you know your social yeah. media. life. So I try to do the same thing, and I, you know, and now I'm blessed, and I have the ability to to enjoy. Um, things in in life that I truly enjoy. I truly enjoy cars, you know, and I went out and bought a Rolls Royce yesterday. I went out and bought a a brand new Porsche Turbo S. Um, I love cars. My wife wants a beach house. I'm a buyer beach house. Um, But that's, that's my real life. Now I don't have Rolexes. I don't have all sorts of crazy, you know, Louis Vuitton stuff or whatever, but I have my passions. And so for me, I try to make sure that everything is aligned because I want people to see one where I came from. And then two, now I have these passions and things that drive me. And part of that is like I said, just my passions, but, but part of that's my family. I actually had a guy message me today that's been two months sober now as a pressure washing company, 23 years old and was super thankful. I shared it on my story because that's the kind of stuff that motivates me to do better. Yeah. Now inside my own household, you know, yes, my kids are everything to me and I want them. And this is kind of where I struggle we've had these conversations, you know, as they get older, which my kids are, my, my oldest is six, but you know, as they get older, like, what do you, do you buy my car? I want to spoil yeah. them. But then also do you, you make them work for it and earn it? Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Um, but at the end of the day, I want them to know that they never have to worry about anything financial. They're going to be taken care of. If I have to sell everything I have, they will never miss a meal. Um, I want them to know that safety wise that I will always have their back no matter what. And then most importantly, I I try to, and I think that's why bodybuilding is so, um, is so big to me. And so important to me is one, not only is it helped me tremendously in life with discipline, just because everything, every single meal that I have is weighed out. If we're on vacation, I literally walk into and people make fun of me, but I walk into um, every uh, Christmas, we go to uh, Opryland Hotels, my daughter's favorite hotels. So we go there, watch all the lights and everything. But I walk in there and I have a uh, cooler full of all my meals in one hand and a microwave in the other hand. They don't have microwaves <laughs> in the room. So, so but so I can heat my food up. And um, But I'm so strict on myself, but I have to live that way because I can't go outside. Right. But, and, but I understand that about myself. So I want my kids to see that structure. And also the hard work that I put in, not only in work and business and things of that nature, but also just in my passions and in my goals and the things that I have to. So they come to my bodybuilding events and they cheer for me and they see every week when I'm taking transformation pictures to send to my coach, they're right beside me on those pictures and they're trying to pose and stuff, too but they see the work that I put in and they understand why I do it. And it's something that's a passion for me. And they see that if you want something, you really have to work for it, you know, and that's what I want them to understand.
0: So that's kind of a huge thing that we talk about on this show all the time. You know, I always like to quote um, Adam Smith, who wrote the wealth of nations uh, back in the 1700s. And one of the things he talked about that really struck me uh, as I read the book was, you know, even back then he was talking about, there's really not a whole lot of difference between people what makes them different are their habits. You know what I mean? And it's like engaging in good habits day after day is what ultimately leads to success. Even though there's going to be failures along the way, like, you know, at at our age and I'm older than you, but like, I know there's going to be failures coming my way. I know that there's going to be things that don't go my way. And you know, when I was younger, I might've been, Oh my God, you know, the world is falling. And now I'm just like, okay, this is just one of those things is that keep your head down, do the next thing, keep treating people right, all that kind of stuff. And eventually, you know the world turns, and when I hear you talking about your meals, and you know it's you know people are like, oh my god, that's crazy! You're carrying a microwave and your cooler of food and everything, but I what I see is yeah, and he's on Fortune 500. You know what I mean? It's like it's the same kind of habits in everything.
1: And know? I think you know, like in like if you if you ever listen to David Goggins, which I'm sure you have, you know he talks about that that a lot of the stuff that he does is one to prepare him for hard times. We all have hard times, yeah. coming. whatever it, may, it might yeah. be today. It might be 10 years from now, we're going to have hard times coming. So one, the stuff that we put ourselves through prepares us for those times, but two, the discipline helps us constantly know, okay, this happened, but I just have to go straight back and stick to the plan to get where I want to be, whatever, whatever that goal is. Um, and You know, you have to have that discipline and it's, it's so structured. Uh, A friend of mine, I don't know if you know who Wes Watson is, um, but he spent 10 years in prison, got out six years ago and probably has $5 million worth of cars right now. Um, Has a $17 million house in Southern California.
0: Which is another really good part of this show that people and this kids out there listening need to know. There's always redemption. You know, it's never too late to turn your, no matter what situation you're in, tomorrow can be a new day.
1: Correct. And he's, he's done it through discipline. He, he, he went, he went to prison. He made sure to educate himself as much as possible in prison, was even posted on social media and started motivating people while he was in prison. And then now we've become good friends and I can sit here and I will know what times of the day he's going to post certain things on his story and same thing, vice versa. I'm, If you, if you get up at four or five in the morning, you'll already see a picture of me doing cardio and then my cardio complete. And then you'll see, uh, some sort of positive motivation. Then you'll see, um, me at work doing different things. Um, so, you know, I I try to influence people that way to see that, Hey, like we talked about with social media, I'm not just talking about like putting in the work. I'm showing you every single, to the point where it might annoy people. I've already posted round one of 55 minutes cardio this morning. Tonight, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do my workout and I'm going to do another 55 minutes cardio tonight.
0: So we're talking to middle school kids. There a lot of them are sitting there and they're hearing every day. You can't make it. It's not your fault that you're failing. Uh, You can't make it in this world. It's your race. It's your creed. It's your gender. It's your sexual orientation. All these things are stacked against you. And you know, guys like you and me know, that we all have within us, everything we need to be successful. Now we need relationships and things to help us along the way. What advice would you give to kids that, that feel that way that, you know, you have a Rolls Royce and all that now, but you earned it. You didn't feel like you had to take it because you were dealt some kind of bad blow. Right.
1: Yeah. And you know, the biggest thing is one, you can't compare yourself to others. You have to, you have to compare yourself to who you were yesterday. You have to constantly focus on bettering yourself Two, as far as you know, race, sexual orientation, creed, background. Like I said, my dad he he rode with the outlaws. He's covered in tattoos. He was in prison, and then you have my mom, who's on the opposite side. Her she was a a minister's daughter, and then you got me now, who's covered in tattoos. Tattoos used to be so taboo, and you know I'm going to executive board meetings. I got tattoos on the side of my head, and big holes in my, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you truly, truly want something. It's the character. It's the character character that matters. It's
0: a hundred percent.
1: And I'll have people that will tell me, you know, I thought this way about you until you opened your mouth.
0: So this is kind of the thing too, that's interesting. You know, they're always trying to tell us that, the, you know, we're just a prejudiced country about it. You know, we don't like people because of their race. We don't like them because of their gender, their creed, whatever. I mean, I kind of feel like you and I are successful guys. I'm not the same as you, but I still, you're on my podcast because I respect you. I have you, you know, here telling kids because I know you have something to offer. And that that really is the way the world is, isn't it? I mean, people judge people by their character. It's what we do these days. A hundred
1: percent. And, you know, just like you said, we're not the same. And, if we were the same, you wouldn't have me on your podcast Yeah, because of the fact that why would you have two of you? Exactly. And so that goes back to exactly what I was saying as far as you have to be yourself. And when you're yourself, you're going to have people that don't like you and that's fine. Forget them. I'm trying not to cuss, forget (laughs) them. But when it, when, but when you're yourself, you're going to have a lot of, you're more genuine and it comes across that way. And you're going to have people that can relate to you genuinely. But you know, as far as, Whatever you've been through, whatever, whether race, like we said, sexual orientation, whatever it may be, and then also if you have a rough past, that does not matter. Like if you've been to prison, if you've been homeless, if you've dealt this bad hand, if you've dealt this, life gets easier. If you've gone through all that shit, business, when you have a bad day at work or a client doesn't show up or you didn't close this deal or somebody quits... That's nothing compared to the the stuff that we've been through before. It's nothing like, okay, move on and move on.
0: So I got a great question for you. So you get, you got big holes in your earlobes, you got tattoos, head to toe. Uh, You know that when you walk some places that people are going to be like, oh, we got to watch out for that guy. (laughs) What's in your head that goes, I'm just going to change people's mind about you.
1: Um, I try to, I try to. Be as polite and generous to every single person I see. Jealousity, I want to smile at, man, I wanna so smile fun- at everybody. <laughs> I want to, you know, help people, hold the door for, for people. And, um, you know, what's funny is I will do any, I'm one of the nicest people you ever, I didn't used to be, but. I'm one of the nicest, most genuine people, because I truly believe that what you do for people, what you put out into the world is going to come back to you.
0: Okay. I just, I have to interject here. I want you to carry on with that story, but listen, folks, you guys are listening to that. What do we talk about on this show all the time? Generosity, be generous. The best way to get things in life is to give first. Every time we have a guest on, whether they're an Olympic athlete, an MMA fighter, bodybuilder, whoever it is, they all talk about the same common thing, theme about generosity and it's like being generous is really what opens doors to you it attracts people to you it gets people to believe in you it gets people to want to be you know in your orbit carry on
1: and the biggest thing to follow up on that was is is giving being being generous without expectation there's a lot of people yep. that will have that will that will give Thinking that they're well, I'm going to give this person something they owe me something. Correct. You have to be willing to give and give and give and give and know that maybe one out of every twenty people you do something for is going to want to show some sort of you know repercussions for that and and to to give back to you and that's fine. But that's a, that's the
0: essence of generosity is to be giving without any expectation of of anything in return. And listen, in your relationship with your wife you know what I mean? And with your wife, with your husband, that is like the foundation of that relationship, right? Being giving a hundred percent and expecting nothing in return.
1: Nothing. That, and that's, and that's, that's how you have to be. And that shows that you're truly, truly genuine with what you're trying, trying to accomplish or what you're trying to do. Um, but yeah, like you said, I have, you know, I have tattoos all over. I've holes in my ears and it's, it's funny. The, uh, so there's a, um, I've been in a lot of, you know, magazines, news articles, different stuff, but there's one local, um, you've probably been on a two hour town magazine. Um, so, uh, the owner, um, Ryan is a, is a friend of mine. He has a podcast too. And, um, but, uh, I've been on the cover twice, twice now with my team, some, some of my team. And, um, it's funny. I always wear a t-shirt and normally gym shorts or sweatpants. I wore jeans today. Cause I knew we were getting filmed. So I wanted to dress up for you guys. <laughs> um, but this is a long pair of jeans I got. So I don't think I'm fancy. Um, but, uh, I've always got on t-shirt and gym shorts or everybody else has on long sleeve shirts and different things, but they're still covered in tattoos so you can't see them. And both times I've been on the cover, I've had someone that's a Christian say, I'm a Christian. I would never let that person work on my roof because of the fact that they're covered in tattoos and this and this and this and this and and goes on and on and on about it. And I'm like, you don't know anything about me, but you're going to put out there that you're a Christian and try to do right by, you know,
0: so that this is the thing that we talk about all the time on this show is that it's your character. It's your actions that matter. And I'm always telling people, I don't give trust into anybody based on their education, based on their title, Uh, man, really even, you know, past accomplishments matter. But, you know, if you did something 30 years ago, that doesn't make you right 30 years later. Yesterday's
1: home runs don't win today's game.
0: Yeah. And so the thing is, is like, even if you're the person that's prejudging other people, you're really shorting yourselves. I mean, you're by you being on my podcast, you're enriching my life and everything like that. If I had that kind of an attitude, I mean, I wouldn't talk to, to a lot of people and. By the same token, if I see somebody who comes in, it's like, oh, I'm a Christian. Now I'm a Christian and I believe, you know, that all of what I have in this life is because my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ is asking me to do something in his name to help the world around me. But just because you say you're a Christian doesn't mean anything to me. You got to show me And, and being prejudiced against people, judging, prejudging people or any of these things, that is not a Christian behavior. You know what I mean?
1: And I think a lot of people, you know, it's not just Christians, I don't want to give, but a lot no, but, of people uh, it's the
0: same thing like if you have tattoos, like that doesn't make you a bad guy. That's my point. It's just like because you dress up in a yeah. suit
1: doesn't mean you are are more successful. Just yeah, because and, you can quote scripture doesn't yep. mean that you're a better person than me. Yep. Just because, you know, just because you don't have tattoos doesn't mean that you're more willing to 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 go out of your way and do something for somebody, whatever the case may be. So, but I think there's so much prejudice in that with the way people look and the way people have their backgrounds and you know that's why I put it all out on the table because I want people to know like here's where I've been especially yep. for for young kids and even even older guys man I got guys that are that are my age that are still turning their their life around and or haven't turned around yet but I want them to I want them to understand like just because you're stuck in this rut and this person over here was given everything that doesn't mean you can't get there you might have to they might be able to go from A to B to get there. You might have to go to, you know, to C to D to E to F to, and work a little bit harder to get there, but it doesn't mean you can't get there.
0: You know, this is a good point that you make. And I, I wanted to circle back on this. You'd mentioned about your children and, you know, you obviously have the ability to give them anything. And there's this tension there about, you know, you want to spoil your kids. I'm the same way, but you also want them to have a successful, fulfilling life. And so, you know, I give my kids, you know, all that I can in a lot of ways, but I always am explaining to them, always coaching them. Like your life is not going to be fulfilling if you don't go out there and make your own mark, you know, find your own purpose. And, uh, you know, just, you know, living off a mommy and daddy, that's not going to make you happy. That's going to, you know, that's going to make you sad. And, um, man, I appreciate you so much being on this show. Tell me about any nonprofits you got where people can find you on social media, all that stuff. Um, yeah. So, Uh, the the biggest nonprofit that we have is uh, called
1: Perimeter Cares. I'm in the process of opening some others as well, um, just so I can get back to a variety of different people. But Perimeter Cares, uh, we uh, essentially go into schools. um, And here in Georgia, if you uh, get a week behind on your school lunch debt, um, then the kids can't get a hot meal. Um, So it doesn't matter if Parents can't pay for it. The parents forgot to pay for it. Whatever the case may be, if they go into a week, which I think adds up to eleven twenty-five, maybe eleven fifty, then the kid will go through the line. They'll get their meal when they get up there. They essentially throw that hot meal away. They give them a you know a bagged cold sandwich and a and a a water. So one, that's not fair to the kid. um, You know, no matter what the situation is, but two. You know, in a day and age, like we're talking about, where people are, are, are pointing fingers and bullying and, and things of that nature, they just saw this happen to this kid. They know, oh, he's broke. His parents don't have money. Yeah. This, that, And so, then it becomes a, a situation where that kid's now bullied. Yeah. And so, we don't want that. So, we we go into two to three schools a week, um, depending upon schedule, and we pay off the entire school lunch balance, whatever awesome. it is. Whether it's $100 or, or, or $5,000, we pay it off. Um, just because we want... To make sure that all kids can can eat and eat a hot lunch and eat what they deserve. And it's sad, man, because when we go in there, you know, I try to I try to do some research and and pick the brains of the principals or the cafeteria workers and and find out kind of what's going on with the homeless population. You'd be surprised how many homeless kids are in in the schools or that are staying in hotels or um uh, times where like when we would go on break for, for Christmas or Thanksgiving, we would be excited and these kids are crying because they're not going to have food to yeah. eat once they leave there. Um, or kids packing up half their lunch so they can take it home to their, their little brother or little sister, you know? So stuff like that's sad, man. So we try to do a, a lot of different food drives and things of that nature to to help support it as well. But, um, it's called perimeter cares. Um, it's on, uh, there's a link to it on our website, which is, uh, perimeter um my personal website is official Um, which is also my Instagram handle official Todd Price, uh, or at official Todd Price. Um, And then you can find me on Facebook Todd Zachary Todd Price. Um, but uh, yeah, any, any any links that you need for my business, nonprofit, my supplement company, everything is all on my personal brand. My Sweet.
0: Uh, we thank you so much for being part of this program. We're going to make sure that Big Timers uh, stays in contact with you so we can keep doing great things in the community. Find us on docnablock.com and bigtimers.com, bigtimers.com. Thanks for everybody being here. We'll catch you guys next time. Have a great week. We'll see you next time, man. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.